Uh-oh, spaghetti is. Are we on? We're on. Welcome, welcome. <sighs> you guys, I don't know what else to do but, but pray. I, how do you move from this place? I, I'm with Vince. I don't know how you, how you move away from this place. I'm going to shut this fan off because it's annoying to me. I'm back. Father, what a privilege it is to be in your presence. It is just such a privilege to be here with you. And it is mind-blowing and, and heart-ripping to know that your thoughts are filled with us. Who is man that you are mindful of him? I feel your intentions in humbling us, making us more aware of how big you are, of who you are. And in the song that Pepper and Robin were singing, it's, do we even know who you are? Do we even know? And when you draw close like this, I become very aware of two things my shortcomings, and how big you are. And Father, right now, I just praise you for it. I just praise you for it. I praise you that you are the God who cares enough to point out the folly. I thank you that you are the God that cares enough to draw close to bring the impurities to the surface. praise you because you are the God who cares about clean hands and pure hearts. I can feel you in this place. Your presence so raw and so pure. And I'm just not sure how I can even stand under And right now, we just choose to magnify you as best we can. We just choose to magnify you best we can, God. Come and consume us. Just come and consume us. Have your way. Have your way. Can you please just tell him have best you can just to have his have way? Jesus, have just you. have. Let him in. Let him in and let him have his way. Just let him in. And we sing about the walls. And as we were singing about the walls, God said, anything that has your permission. Anything that has your affection has your permission. If there are walls in your house that won't come down, it's because you have affection pointing in their direction. Our affections belong in one place and one place alone. There's only one worthy. There is only one found worthy. Please, can you just stand? Can you just stand and give him the worth that he is due? There's only one found worthy. There's only one found worthy. Nothing else deserves my admiration. Nothing else deserves my affection. There is nothing as worthy. Nothing as worthy as you. Oh, there is nothing. Nothing as worthy as you. All of my admiration. 
I command you, admiration, to turn your eyes on Jesus. Turn your eyes on Jesus. Look full into his wonderful face. Look at you. Look at you. Oh, Lamb of God, look at you. You alone are worthy. You alone are worthy. You alone are worthy. And right now, right now, we invite the angel armies in. While our affections are pointed toward you, Jesus, we invite the angel armies in to come and demolish these walls that have held our attention for so long. But no more! No more. Walls, you must fall. You must fall down. You must lay low. Lay low before the king of kings. Lay low! Before the one who is found worthy. Oh, Jesus. You alone are worthy. You alone are worthy. You alone. You alone. You alone. You alone. My problems aren't worthy. My problems aren't worthy. <laughs> Only you. Only you. Mm-hmm. Only you. Only you. Only you, Jesus. Oh, you are welcome in this place. You are so welcome here. You are so welcome here. We won't hide from you any longer. We won't hide from you any longer. Come, Holy Spirit, and examine us through and through. Come, Holy Spirit, and examine us. Examine our family lines. We aren't afraid. We aren't afraid. We aren't afraid of your deep, deep gaze. Come examine us through and through. Do a thorough work in me. Does God have your permission? Does he have your permission? Does he have your permission to do a thorough work in you? You are worthy. You are worthy, Jesus. You are worthy, Jesus. You are worthy. You are worthy. Oh, my children, there are things that I long to hand to you. There are things that I long for you to wield. Power, I long to fill you with. Turn your eyes away from the lesser things. And look full into my eyes. And see the wonder of who you are. Oh, my children! Feel my affection pouring out on you right now. Let me come and heal your Swiftly I will come if you just turn away from the lesser things. Swiftly I will come. 
turn your affections on me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just thank him. Just thank him. Just thank you. Oh, we just thank you. We thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We just thank you. Oh, Jesus. Oh, we just thank you, Jesus. Jesus. There's such a call. You guys can sit down. There's such a call for repentance. Such a call for repentance. And here's what I feel like God is revealing. We, we all came in feeling this, this same way this morning, just like this, this burden to carry the heart of the Father. And, and what he was showing me is like, there are so many people that believe that repentance is about him shaming us. We don't intend to believe this way, but we do. That somehow he, he wants us to feel badly about ourselves, and that's not it at all. It, it's for, it's for our, our own good. It's for our freedom that he offers moments of repentance. But this is what I really feel that he is really like imprinting on my mind right now, is that he is looking for people who will bear the weight of a spirit of repentance. Yes? Who, who are going to be his people that carry a spirit of repentance into any place they go? It, it, it's, it's an actual spirit. It's, it's, it's a, an atmosphere that we can actually bear and carry with us anywhere that we go. And I don't know about you, but my mind is blown in real time to, to consider that this is something that I can put on the moment that I step in and I partner with this and I stop allowing my affections to be toward all these other things, these lesser things, these walls, and I turn my affections toward the God who offers reconciliation through repentance, I get to put repentance on and wear it. And when I walk into a grocery store or a post office or a church, or my friend's house, or my parents' house, or a gymnasium. I create atmospheres of repentance. I create atmospheres, opportunities of turning around and coming up higher. Will we be a people who will respond rightly to the Lord personally? And will we be the people who will wear repentance? And take it with us wherever we go. See, the problem is, is that we're so riddled in our own shame and our own guilt that we won't even receive the invitation for ourselves because our affections on, are on everything else, offering our permission to stay. That we're not inviting the greater things in. We're not giving permission to the things of the kingdom of heaven, the things that are ours to walk in. It's our inheritance! Repentance is our inheritance. But we're so busy keeping records 
of wrong. So busy in dealing in shame that we forget that we've got greater things like repentance to deal in, to offer up, to release. You don't have to be real in tune with society to understand that we are in need of repentance. We're off-roading. We're off-roading. It's okay. <laughs> That's fine. Okay. Can do what he wants. Isn't that right? <laughs> we have a land riddled with oppression, right? It's our job to steward the government of the kingdom of heaven. How are we doing? Right? Can we just ask ourselves honest questions? How are we doing, church? How are we doing? How are we doing with what is ours to steward? And it comes back to do we know who he is? Do we know who he is? I couldn't, I couldn't respond with a full-blown, bold yes this morning. And that bothers me. I'm bothered. Rightly so. I'm bothered because I've given my permission to all these other things that exist in my life. I've made much of all these other things. When problems come up, I'm like, oh. <laughs> that is my affection. Anything that is, it comes from a space of emotion is affection. If you're saying like, holy crap, yes, <laughs> we, need to, we need to be very aware of who we are, what we're capable of. We're powerful. That's just, that's just the way it's going to be. We're powerful. So if we want to use our power to continue on the way that things have always been, we can but if we want to see things line up with the kingdom of heaven, if we want to see the government of Christ move on forever and ever and ever, we have to change our mind, which means we have to receive the invitation of repentance. Yes? I want to read this to you, and I know this is a very familiar space of scripture, very familiar. This is not going to blow your mind. You've heard this 100,000 times, and you've probably read it on your mother's wall. <laughs> you know? Like, let's just be honest. It's everywhere. I, I, I get frustrated with, with moments like this because I, I actually need Holy Spirit's help to reignite intention on Scripture mm -hmm. because it's embroidered on pillows. It is. And I just become familiar with it. And then it has no meaning to me. And so I need, I need Holy Spirit's help to rightly feel the conviction of Scripture. Yes? Okay. So with that being said, we're going to 2 Chronicles 7.14. Right? But I'm going to give some background on it first. So let's start in um, verse 12. And this is at the time where um, Solomon is, the temple is built, right? The temple is done. It is extraordinary. I'm guessing that there has never, ever been anything like this, right? We know that, that the Queen of Sheba is so moved by the excellence of this temple that she, she comes with a royal exchange, right, to, to Solomon. She comes with, like, this entourage of treasure to give to Solomon because she's so moved by what her eyes are beholding. And so he gathers the people to dedicate the, the temple, rightly so, and he wants to worship. And this is, this is what happens. He does all these things, right? I'm not going to get into that. You can go read that for yourself. But in, in verse 12, it's the, the subtitle is the Lord's response. And, and when the subtitle says the Lord's response, we might want to pay attention. <laughs> then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple of sacrifice. If I shut the sky so there is no rain, or if I command the grasshopper to consume the land, or if I send pestilence on my people and my people who bear my name humble themselves, 
pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Anyone familiar with this? <laughs> yeah. It's a familiar space of scripture for us, and, and I think too familiar for us that we haven't asked, Holy Spirit, please use this portion of scripture to convict me. What is my part? What is my part in this? What part do I play in this? It's not just something to be embroidered on material. It's not just something that is to be embossed on a picture hanging over the fireplace. This is something we need to actually pay attention to. If my people will turn from their evil ways, I will hear them from heaven and I will heal their land. I will heal their land. He goes on. My eyes will now be open and my ears attentive to prayer from this place. And I have now chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there at all times. As for you, if you walk before me as your father David walked, doing everything I have commanded you, and if you keep my statutes and ordinances, I will establish your royal throne as I promised your father David. You will never fail to have a man ruling in Israel. However, if you turn away and abandon my statutes and my commands that I have set before you, and if you go and serve other gods and bow and worship to them, then I will uproot Israel from the soil that I gave them. And this temple that I have sanctified for my name, I will banish from my presence. I will make it an object of scorn and ridicule among all the peoples. Does this sound familiar to you in any way, shape, or form? If my people who are called by my name will turn away from evil. A, a better way, a better way to say this. If my people who bear my name will turn and face me at all times, I will hear them. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. You want to know why our land is not whole? You want to know why our land is not satisfied? Because we have failed to turn and face Jesus. We have failed to repent of sins. And before you want to crucify me along with Christ, <laughs> I understand what the cross means. I understand the finished works of Jesus Christ. Do I have a full understanding? No, I hope it's always a mystery. I know full well that our sins were rectified on that day. I know full well that when he said, it is finished, that it is. But I also know that we are prone to sin when we don't keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And that's why repentance is always the offer on the table. That's why return is always on the Lord's mind. But as the church, and I'm just talking about in our nation, as the church in our nation, we've been tolerant. We've been tolerant of so many things. We have not turned our eyes away from evil. We've ushered it in. And he says right here to Solomon, I'll stay with you, but you must hold up your end of the deal. You must steward my kingdom well. I'll be with you. I'll enthrone myself there in that space but you must steward my kingdom well. And if you do not, I will uproot 
and move. So right now, on behalf of this nation, I just cry out, Lord, God, forgive us. Lord, God, forgive us for the part that we have played as the church in allowing sin to remain, in allowing iniquitous behavior to go on. And God, right now, we are choosing to turn our eyes away from those things and to turn our eyes toward you and say, God, we see the need. We see the need for repentance. We see the need to return, to return, to return. We're crying out, God. Come. Come, Lord Jesus, and heal our land. Come, Lord Jesus, and dispense your kingdom once more. Come, Lord Jesus. Father, forgive us for the things that we have praised that are not you. We know that praise establishes something. Forgive us for the things that we have established that are not you. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for the tolerance Come, heal our land, Lord. Come and heal our land, Lord. Come and heal our land. God, right now, just confess that we are your people. And we are called by your name. We are your people. And we are called by your name. Come, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. And of course, you'd know I had the pillow. <laughs> the pillow scripture, too. <laughs> so I'm going to read it. Even though she read it, I'm just going to read uh, 14 in the ESV. It says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, which truly is repentance, right? It means to turn. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. And, you know, God is just spot on this morning because there's no way you can talk about restoration without repentance. Whether it's territory, actual physical ground, or whether it's us, you cannot... You have to begin there with repentance. And I highlighted three of the words that I want you to catch in the scripture. Humble, pray, and then turn. And you know, um, we were talking earlier about repentance and and I'm kind of reiterating, but it, it's on every level. Yeah, in America, it's on a macro level that 
that repentance is doing. Like you said, that checklist that you saw, the mm -hmm. Ten Commandments of God just checking them off, checking them off, checking them off, checking them off, you know. And, and can we look at our own personal lives and just go down that list? Where do we fit in that checkoff list? Mm -hmm. Where do we stand in that list? And because, you know, we want to reclaim physical ground. We want to reclaim territory in the spirit. But before we can do that, we have to deal with this territory because the same principles of warfare that apply to claiming that territory, because we're made from the dust of the earth, right? The same, many of the same principles apply to us. I want to read a scripture to you. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is James 4, 1 through 7. What is the cause of your conflicts and quarrels with, with each other? Doesn't the battle begin inside of you as you fight to have your own way and fulfill your own desires? You jealously want what others have. So you begin to see yourself better as others. You scheme and envy and harm others to selfishly obtain what you crave. That's why you quarrel and fight. And look at the world. Why is there war? How do wars begin? How did Russia and Ukraine, because one country decided, I want what you have. I'm entitled to it. Yeah. There's no humility. There's entitlement. So we see that on that macro level. But we're going we're gonna to totter back and forth from that macro level back to us, from the big picture to us. Where do we rate in that? Let me keep reading. And all the time, you don't obtain what you want because you don't ask God for it. And if you ask, and didn't Chronicles say, humble yourself and pray, ask. You won't receive it for your asking with corrupt motives, mm. seeking only to fulfill your own selfish desires. You have become spiritual adulterers who are having an affair, an unholy relationship with the world. Don't you know that flirting with the world's values places you at odds with God? Whoever chooses to be the world's friend makes himself the enemy of God. And we know we, we, don't, we can't obtain success by the world's values. The world has a, a totally different value system than we have. You know, the world, it's, <clears throat> what's that expression? Dog eat dog, you know, whoever you step on on the way up the ladder. But scripture tells us, and remember, we're speaking of restoration, the scripture tells us promotion doesn't come from the east. It doesn't come from the west. It comes from God. Promotion comes from God. So our thinking has to be countercultural from the world in terms of restoration. Does the scripture mean nothing to you that says the spirit that God breathed into our heart is a jealous lover? I love that. Who intensely desires to have more and more of us. But he continues to pour out more and more grace upon us. For it says, God, resist you when you are proud. Humble yourselves and pray. God, resist you when you are proud. But continually pours out grace when you are humble. All part of restoration. So then surrender to God. That's an act of humility. Stand up to the devil and resist him, and then he will flee. So we have to humble ourselves first. I was going to talk about some of the disobedience versus obedience. Do you want me to go into that? Did you have anything um, the the only other thing I was going to share, and maybe mm -hmm. this fits here, um, mm -hmm. as we were uh, we were praying this morning, um, Pepper was actually sharing something with us that that you know she felt pertained to the three of us, and and it had to do with um, with I don't know how how I would word this. It had to do with um, 
the, the way that we talk about others. It, it had to do with what it is that we're building with, with our words. And, um, and, and as she was sharing this, I felt rebellion just walk right into the room. And there was like such a, a shift in the space. And I was having a hard time listening to everything that, that she was saying because rebellion wanted a say in, in what was going on. And, and, and rebellion was really wanting to evaluate right? It, rebellion will give you permission to stay where you're at. Let me just tell you that. And, um, and, and so it, rebellion was offering an evaluation and, and over the top of Pepper's voice was like, this has nothing to do with you. You don't need to listen to this, <laughs> right? Like I, I'm sharing this because I want us to be aware that these moments are real. Mm-hmm. We are living in a spirit realm in a physical world. Yes. Yeah. And and there are other entities that I would just rather they stay out and rebellion's one of them. But what came on the backside of that, once I acknowledged it, a, a vision broke open for me and God was showing me foundations and inside of the foundations was what he was calling rebellious rebar that we have laid hold of rebellious ideas and it's become part of our foundations. And I don't know if you've ever seen rebar, but it, it is, it's kind of a network. And, and it was disturbing to me to think that in, in all of my foundations, there could be something as wicked as rebellious rebar. And, and I was bothered by it. I'm like, Jesus, show me. Show me the ways instead of like shying away from it, going like, oh, well, well, I don't want anything to do with that. Right. Because I think that that's what we've done. We've given ourselves permission to be like, yeah, but the cross. Right. Instead instead of taking responsibility, that's what the cross broke open for us Mm -hmm. is to be able to step in as ambassadors of heaven and say no more. And this this rebellious rebar, this is what she was talking about, that checklist. God was showing me the Ten Commandments. And I realized that we're under different commands now that he said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And, And that sums up the entirety, right, of the law is is to be able to fulfill those two things. But as he's going down, the, the Ten Commandments, he's like going, like, talk about evaluation, geez. <laughs> his, his, his evaluation is a little bit more like intimidating than what Rebellion was wanting to bring into the room. And, and he's just walking me down these and he's going, this is part of it. This is part of it. This is part of it, you know, where whether it's, it's something that we've partnered with personally or it is the sins of the fathers that have become the sons, right? We know that there are, are sins that have been handed down because they weren't dealt with. And that's just the way that it works. It's the way that it, it works in the kingdom too, that the goodness of the father becomes the goodness of the sons. But the iniquities of the fathers also become the sins of the sons when we haven't stepped in to break those things off. And that's what he was showing me is like this this foundation has been um, has has been really just kind of infiltrated with this structure of rebellion, and but here's the good news, you guys, is like he's come as a surgeon with these these wonderful steady hands to be able to just gently begin to pull these out when we partner with him when he points to it and says like that we're like yes like that God I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. And he just gently removes it. And here, here's the thing. Like if we're not going to partner with him here where we're at right now, where he is like wanting to gently pull these things out, it's going to take complete demolition to get this rebar out, to get this rebellion out. I don't want that for me. And I certainly don't want it for you. I can look at my children and think, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like when you're looking at your kids and you're like, dang, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's kind of painful. 
how much more does he feel that way when he is 100% good? Mm-hmm. And he's looking at us going like, just stop, right? Mm-hmm. Just stop. Mm-hmm. Let's do something about it. Mm-hmm. Because he's wanting to come and heal our land. Mm-hmm. I want him to come and heal our land. Mm-hmm. And so let's like be brave enough to instead of reacting emotionally and giving permission, we already discovered this, that it gets to stay when we give it permission because of our affection toward it. Let's stop having an emotional reaction to it and have a God reaction to it going like, oh, you're right. This doesn't belong. One of these things is not like the other. You know, (laughs) Sesame Street. If it can't fit in Christ, it doesn't belong in your life. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> That's good. And I'm, I'm asking Holy Spirit to help me stay in flow because I don't want to go anywhere he's not going. But, um, you know, we don't have to belabor the fact of what the curses do. Yeah. You know, it, it's pretty simple. Uh, sin brings a curse. And obedience brings a blessing, you know. And um, but I do want to talk a little bit how sin does pollute the land. And and remember, we're we're applying this on the macro and the micro to us and to the land. And I'm going to go to Ezekiel 36. It's 16 through 18. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, when the house of Israel lived in their own land. They defiled it by their ways and by their deeds. Their ways before me were like the uncleanness of a woman in her menstrual impurity. So I poured out my wrath upon them for the blood they had shed in the land, for the idols which which they had defiled them. Numbers 35, 33, 34. You shall not pollute the land in which you live, for blood pollutes the land. Abortion's just the beginning of how blood pollutes the land. Sure. And, and what is in the history of America a bloodshed that has polluted the land? Um, and it says, and no atonement can be made, <clears throat> excuse me, for the land, for the blood that is shed in it. And we know now that there is atonement. We know there is atonement now except by the blood of the one who shed it. And um, just to shed a little bit of light on this, these scriptures are kind of talking about in the Old Testament, they had cities of refuge. And so if if we would think of it in our terms, legal terms as manslaughter, but say I accidentally killed somebody, I could run to the city of refuge. Because then, remember, it was an eye for an eye. And so that's what these cities of refuge were for. Um, you shall not defile the land in which you live, <clears throat> in the midst of which I d- dwell. For I, the Lord, dwell in the midst of the people of Israel. So I wanted to read that um, just to give you, you know, an idea of the curses and, and how blood does pollute the land. And, you know, I'm thinking now about how the scripture says, you're, you're, it's like murder if you just hate your brother. That's blood. And I'm thinking of how God designed the earth. The earth always responds to blood. You know, when Cain killed Abel, the earth cried out. Yeah. You know, when Jesus' blood was shed, the earth responded. It always responds to blood. Ezekiel 36, 24 through 30. For the sake of his holy name, this is God, he's doing all this for his name. But he says, I will take you from the nation and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart 
and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone, just like you would go out on a land that, <clears throat> that had stony terrain and just remove it. God does that. He just plows through our hearts and he takes those hearts of stone and makes it a heart of flesh. Just like we do in the spirit realm when we're taking territory. In the spirit realm, we have to go in and, and plow the land and remove the stony places. So the Lord is saying, I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I give to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. And I will deliver you from all your uncleanness and I will summon the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine upon you. See, like Angie was saying, he desires, this is what he desires to do. This is the result of repentance. Repentance isn't to punish you, not to take something from you, it's to get something to you. Yes, so good. You should say that again. Repentance <laughs> is not to take something from you, it's to get something to you. So good. And I will make the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field abundant that you may never again suffer the disgrace of famine among the nations. And then I have one more scripture. I'm going to turn it back to Angie for her thoughts. Um, Ezekiel 36, and this is 35 through 37. And they will say, this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden and the waste and desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations that are left all around you shall know that I am the Lord. You won't even have to say anything. They'll just know. I have rebuilt the ruined places and replanted that which was desolate. Then the nations that are left all around you shall know that I am the Lord. I have rebuilt the ruined places and replanted that which was desolate. I repeated that, but you got a double portion of it. (laughs) I am the Lord. I have spoken it. I will do it. Thus says the Lord God. This also I will let the house of Israel ask me to do. Remember, humble yourselves and pray. You have not because you ask not. You have the wrong motives. You're seeking it in the wrong way. Thus says the Lord God, this also I will let the house of Israel ask me to do, to increase their people like a flock like the flock for sacrifices, like the flock at Jerusalem during her appointed feast, so shall the waste cities be filled with flocks of people. Then they will know that I am the Lord. So good. Um, the, the other thing that, that we wanted to, to present is because we're talking about the land. And I think that it's just really important that we better understand what it means to partner with the land. Um, so often we, we, we get impressions of like, oh, well, God is calling me here. God is calling me to do this. Well, every calling is associated with a land. Can we agree to that? And, and to, to better define land or nations, we need to understand that that could mean anything. It doesn't necessarily mean other countries, right? A, a nation could be something, a, a church, right? Mm-hmm. A nation mm-hmm. could be a, a business opportunity. Yeah. A, a, anything that he calls you to, there is a land associated with it. And one of the things that, that we have talked about, I know we've talked about this here before, is that even in the missionary mentality we have gone into third world countries carrying our own knowledge of our own land and attempting to replicate it there. We do not take the time to stop and say, okay, God, what does that land have to offer me? Come on. We read in scripture all throughout the Old Testament when God was moving people into new land, he prepared their hearts first to receive what the land already possessed. It wasn't always about them going in to just conquer a land. 
There was fruit in the land that they had to be able and capable of receiving. But we have missionary mentality, and I'm not knocking all missionaries, but you know what I'm talking about. The American missionary mindedness Mm -hmm. is I'm going to go in Mm -hmm. and I'm going to take what I have. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is, is we go in and we establish things by our own knowledge of what worked in our own space. And they can't, they can't do it. They can't steward it. Yes. Because it doesn't actually complement their land. I love the way that, that Vince says it is, is we're creating missionaries in their own land rather than ambassadors of the land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't that good? Yeah. It's the difference between being a missionary and an ambassador. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. And so we need to be asking ourselves different questions when new opportunities arise. When, when, when a prophetic word is open wide for us to step into, to see it manifest in our lives, we need to first be asking, what does the land have for me? What do you want me to gain from this land? Now, I'm going to tell you a story, and this should help you understand where I'm, where I'm talk, what I'm talking about and why I'm talking about this. Back in the fall, I was part of um, Dr. Sharon Stone's uh, online group that had to do with realms, and I was fascinated by the idea of there being so many different realms that we can interact with. And she's a brilliant teacher. This was all on Zoom, and there was breakout groups at the end of every teaching and with activations. It was intimidating because it was like, this is a foreign concept to me, realms. Like, I know next to nothing. And so it's like, brand new information. Now do something, right? And, And I, for whatever reason... Every breakout room, and this was seven weeks long, every single breakout room, there was a Nigerian woman waiting for me. (laughs) Now, if you've never been prophesied over by or um, struck by a Nigerian prophecy, you don't know what I'm talking about. These women, they don't soften anything. Yes. I mean, it's like a sledgehammer. It's not. It pierces your soul. I mean, they're not playing around. Their their prophecy is sharp, sharp. Nothing that we experience here. Nothing. Because we are fluff, mostly. We are so afraid of offending one another that we fluff it all up. We do. That's what we do. But these women, seven weeks in a row, my little old heart (laughs) got pounded. I mean, they were they were talking about things that I hadn't even acknowledged. And and so, why am I bringing this up to you? Not to make you feel sorry for me because this was good. I began to crave what they had. I began to have this ache inside of me for Nigeria. And at first, my missionary mentality wanted to step in and go like, oh, is God going to call me to Nigeria? I would die there! I would! I would not survive this culture as is. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would hide the entire time. I'd be like, going, God, get me out of here. Because it's a fire that I don't know. It's a fire of the Lord that I've never experienced. And so I had to change the way that I was looking at this instead of being so prideful and arrogant, thinking like, oh, what can I bring to Nigeria? It's like, God, what is in Nigeria that you want in me? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I'm having to even ask myself this on different, every single level, every single level. It's no secret that our family lives with Robin and John's mom and dad. I have to be asking myself, you brought me here. This was your idea. I remind him of this a lot. This was your idea. What is it that this land has for me? What is in this land that needs to be here? Then we move into the salon. And I have to be asking myself, what is in this land that needs to be in me. 
because there's something that is being produced that has been cultivated in these different lands that belong in here. There are some things that don't. I'm not saying to be frivolous with this. Not everything that these lands are producing belong in here. That would be foolish. But do you understand what I'm saying? Is that when we are called to something, we need to be asking, what does this land have that you desire to have in here? What does this land have that can work something out in here? Have you ever gone into a new space and all of a sudden you're like, you feel a little disoriented and you're maybe a little offended and maybe you're not sure what you're feeling? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's because now you're clashing with a different atmosphere. And, and, And that atmosphere is wanting to sharpen what it is that you carry. So it's not just iron sharpens iron. It's the land is an entity. The land is a created thing spoken by the very words of the Lord. It has intention. It has purpose. Has something for us. I love, 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 love when the scripture is talking about moving Israel out of the wilderness, out of the desert place, into the promised land. Because you can look at it two different ways, right? The spies certainly did. They were sent in. Go see. Go see. Go look. Go look. What does the land have for you? Mm-hmm. Giants! <laughs> Giant fruit. Right? We can either go into the land and be offended by the land. Or we can go into the land and see what it is producing on our behalf. Right? Right? Does this make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is really, really important. We need to change our minds here. And if we're not intentional about it, we'll just continue on autopilot. Because that's what we do. This is just what I know. This is what the church has shaped in me. The church needs to reshape. Right? We have to take responsibility here if we want to see something different happen. Otherwise, we're just an echo chamber. Repeating the same things over and over and over again without the expectation of change, transformation. Yeah? You can even look through scriptures where Paul is traveling into new lands. And we know, my gosh, I love the story of him aching to go into Macedonia. Don't you love the story? I love the story so much where he is just like, he's ready. And, I, and in the scripture, it actually, and I never had noticed it until a few months ago when, when we were, I think we were talking about it on one of our lives, but where it's, it actually says that Holy Spirit stopped him from going, and so did Jesus. <laughs> this man had some serious intention. Like, he was going. And, and it wasn't until he had the dream of the Macedonian man, and he was so quick, you guys. He was so quick because he are, it doesn't tell us this in scripture, but I can't help but just imagine that this is what it was. He knew what the land had to offer. He knew what was waiting for him. He knew what it would do to the gospel by going there. Paul knew how to partner with land. He did. He didn't. Paul didn't become a tent maker because he was short on cash. He became a tent maker because he knew it was a different land. Yes? So what are you doing with the opportunities that are right in front of you? Right? We have opportunity right in front of us, but we've not taken advantage of it because we haven't known. How are you going to steward the land that he's giving you? I mean, you go to a public school, right? Yeah, it's land. It's land. Yeah, monstrously big. It's land. And little you can certainly do something, right? 
No one's off the hook here. Do you do you go to do you go to a gym on a regular basis? Ah, uh, yeah, you have a responsibility. What do you do on a regular basis? Do you work? Yeah. What is God telling you about the land? You know, we just need to be more intentional about what it is that we're doing. We can't just continue to show up on Sunday mornings and feel good about Jesus. I mean, you can do that. But like, let's do something with it. Come and feel good. But we need to start stewarding what is ours. You're a glory dispenser for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. Creation knows. Right? Creation knows. Creation knows what it's doing. Do you? Creation rightly responds to who God is. Do you? Right? Creation knows. You know, when you were talking about being a missionary, uh, like Vid said, versus an ambassador, mm. I was thinking how much of American missionary work is like a prefabricated house. And when we, you just go and you set up the box, yeah. tear it down, then set up the box, then tear it down. But I love how Paul said, I've learned to be all things mm. to all people. He's saying, I, I've learned to meet people where they are. And so I just want to add a visual <laughs> to what you were saying. So <laughs> work with me on this. Whether you picture the tomato as a vegetable or fruit, <laughs> <laughs> let's picture Jesus as a tomato. <laughs> How does Jesus want to steward the land? And we're tomatoes, too, because we're made in his image, right? Yeah. But we're tomatoes, too. So when Jesus gets to Italy, he wants to be pizza sauce or yeah. pasta sauce. <laughs> and then when Jesus gets to Latin America, he wants to be salsa. Mm. <laughs> and then when he gets to the U.K., sometimes they get the whole tomato because they like to eat it like poached or some, some way for breakfast. <laughs> But do you see, Jesus is not the same to you all the time or to me. Sometimes I encounter him as father because I just need that father thing. Sometimes I encounter him as friend and he makes me laugh. Sometimes I encounter him as the father just says, no, daughter, don't do that. <laughs> Sometimes I encounter him like a wind, like a fire. So it's such a valid question. How are you stewarding your land, whatever that represents for you? Is it just this prefabricated gospel, prefabricated belief system? And, you know, we get sometimes so involved in doing the work of the ministry that we're no longer ministered. Yeah, and we're to make disciples of all nations, right? And I think, again, we become very grandiose in this. Mm -hmm. And it's just, what is the land sitting right in front of you? Mm -hmm. How are you discipling the lands that are sitting right in front of you? Because if you're not going to steward what you're standing in, you aren't going to increase. And I need you to. We need you to. We need you to increase. We need you to step out and take on the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. I feel like we would be really amiss here if we did not take time to, to, to repent for the things that we are knowledgeable of, for the things that we are, are, are very aware of in ourselves or in our family lines, mm -hmm. that we would invite Jesus in to come and remove that rebellious rebar from our foundations. I don't really know what this looks like, 
but I know that I can feel the invitation for us to do so. And you guys, I want to invite you into the celebration of it. There is a celebration in this. It it doesn't have to be this this deep, anguishing thing. It's acknowledging it. I I see that. I see that thing. I see that thing in my life. And and yes, please, just remove it. My foundation doesn't need it. Right? My foundation doesn't need this rebellion. In fact... This rebellion is actually no good for my foundation. So why don't we, you want to come play? Would you mind doing that? Let's just do business with God, right? Let's just ask him. Open my eyes. Mm-hmm. Open my eyes and I give you permission to remove the rebellion from my life. Mm-hmm. I give you permission to pull out any of this, this networking rebellion that is in my foundations. I don't need the additional support. So whatever this looks like for you, whether you you need to stand, you need to walk, you need to come up here, lay down, kneel, whatever it is, can you just lean in and see what the Father is doing and do that? That's our responsibility. That's as easy as it gets. I look and I see what he's doing. He leads me. He guides me in all things. But please just don't let this moment pass. Don't allow anything else to come in and steal it away. And certainly don't listen to the voice of rebellion.